Hey there, Aligned You listeners. This is Dr. M here and welcome to our Aligned and Thriving season and series of interviews. I am super pumped to be sharing a series of stories and interviews with some amazing humans, people, some who I've admired from a distance for a long period of time, others who I know personally and call dear, dear friends and feel very privileged to do so. This series is designed to actually dive deeper into what allows them to truly live an aligned you and aligned you life and to be thriving, whether that's in their work life, their home life or their play life and working out truly is there common themes or is everyone different and we really do all reach our full potential in our own unique way. Enjoy this season. I've had an absolute pleasure and joy recording it. I'm your host, Dr. M, and you're listening to Aligned You, a podcast designed to assist you to truly be aligned through your body, head, and heart so you can reach your full potential in your own unique way. Hey there, Aligned You listeners, Dr. M here, and welcome to this next episode of our Aligned and Thriving interview series. I am super excited for today's guest. The amazing Katrina Blowers is joining us today. Now, when Katrina was seven years old, she saw a news bulletin on TV and she literally, a fire was lit inside her. And when she asked her mum if a job existed or her mum told her about that there was a job that existed where she could satisfy her endless curiosity by asking important people questions, travel the world, uncover valuable information she could pass on to others, well, she was just bloody hooked. She's an award-winning newsreader, a senior reporter with more than 20 years' experience. She doesn't look that old, folks. We'll talk about that in a moment. And Katrina began her foray into journalism at the age of 12. That's right, at 12, as an intern at Parliament House in Canberra. Since then, she's covered global events for major newspapers, radio stations, television networks, and has written a best-selling book. She's a sought-after keynote speaker, facilitator, and MC. She's the host of the popular podcast, podcast I'll pop my teeth back in claiming your confidence and is an executive mentor for those wanting to step into their power as a confident communicator she's also when I realized that we met uh, on a round table that I was happened to be helping to facilitate a few weeks ago is that I recognized her voice from somewhere and we were just discussing off air is that I used to listen to her when she was on Nova FM in Sydney back in the mid 2000s but we'll talk more about that in just a moment Katrina welcome to the aligned and thriving interview series Oh my gosh, what a fabulous intro. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're so welcome. Well, if nothing else through my Aligned and Thriving interview series, I hope everyone gets great intros. Oh, yes. Love it. And, you know, I was thinking back and going, gosh, uh, one of the things about having a life purpose that's so crystal clear in your mind early on is that you do have a super um, defined path. But then as I was listening to that, I was thinking, imagine if I'd never had that conversation with my mum at the age of seven. Maybe maybe I'd ended up, you know, running off to join the circus. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? But I'm intrigued. How did you end up in Parliament House? in Canberra, given that you're, as you put it in your uh, on your website, that you're a proud Queenslander. What were you doing in Canberra? Did mum ship you off? Oh, no. Look, she wanted to, I can assure you. <laughs> Apparently, I was quite the difficult teenager. However, my parents decided when I was about three or four that they would go on a working holiday around Australia. And they ended up, I think their first stop was Queanbeyan, which is just outside of Canberra. My dad was a graphic designer and he got a big government contract. And so they ended up settling in Canberra. Dad kept getting work and that's where we stayed until I could get out of there as soon as possible at the age of 17. 
<laughs> right. So you were counting it down from 12 to 17. And were you reporting at the at Parliament House for that whole time or did you jump around a little? I, I jumped around. So I did work for, um, for radio at Parliament House. So I would hold the microphone. There's this thing. That's cool called doorstop interviews. So um, early in the morning when the politicians arrive and they can start arriving from half past four, five a.m., uh, all the journalists line up at the doors to get that grab of the day, you know, whatever the big story is of the day, they'll hit up the politicians as they enter the, the building for the first time. And it's in the Canberra winter, not the job that everyone wants to do. So that's usually what you get your interns to do. But I thought it was the best because I got to stand out there asking questions of, you know, the country's decision makers. And uh, then I went on to do some writing work for the Canberra Times and ended up getting my first job at Channel 10 in Canberra. Wow. Well, I'm intrigued to hear about your journey in terms of journalism and how you basically ended up back up the coast, seriously, up into Brisbane, up the coast, uh, but also then how you move from journalism into some of the other things that you do now too. But let's talk about journalism first, is that you've, you've travelled a lot with it, right? Yeah, so, you know, my mum was right. You do get to be at the, the front step of history in a way. So I've been able to go all over the world, meet some incredible people often on it's usually on their best day or their absolute worst day. And there's you do develop a degree of humility having to speak to people in the best of times and the worst of times. And it's also kudos to many of those people for deciding to let me in. So I've covered, you know, natural disasters, major murder trials, uh, um, inaugurations, many, many uh, state and federal election campaigns, been embedded with media packs, travelling with the leaders which I've got to tell you is super fascinating because often what we get to see as the public is a very short excerpt of a carefully stage-managed uh, press conference. But when you're travelling on the plane or on the bus with these leaders, they show you their human side and you also get to see how those campaigns actually work and how they react to the various things that pop up along the way. So it's like the West Wing on steroids and it's super fascinating. <laughs> that really would be. How tempting is it when you're seeing the behind the scenes not to share that part. Like, is that an unwritten rule that yeah. obviously that part doesn't get shown, otherwise you're never on that particular media pack ever again? Yeah, it is. I mean, they still have their guard up with you because even though you do become quite friendly, it's they know that you've got a job to do at the end of the day and you represent the organisation and your viewers or your, your readers. So you do have an obligation if you see something quite juicy to perhaps, you know, go public with that. But you're also making your own value judgment about what's newsworthy and what's not. And for me, I think, you know, reporting on people's private lives and their relationships as well, I think, is that in the public interest? I know that many people think it is, but I often think it's quite salacious. So I have chosen to use discretion with a lot of those things that I've seen. And I think that's awesome because one of the things, and this is probably for a different podcast, but this is not a political podcast, folks, but I think one of the things within, say, Australia, so we've got listeners around the world, but within Australia, we're really lucky for such, well, really for probably our adult life, maybe up until recently, Katrina, where politicians' personal lives really weren't, they were just a no-go area. So it allowed 
hopefully some of the better talent to actually be in politics versus people that are worried about having to protect their private life. Oh, gosh, I know. And I look at the people who now put themselves forward for those types of public roles and hats off to them. I mean, I know they get a huge amount of criticism, but I wouldn't want to do it. I mean, the amount of scrutiny you have to go under, the amount of, uh, you know, afternoon teas and charity functions and um, fundraising things that you have to go to in your spare time that don't even get reported on in the news. These people give over so much of their lives. I don't know that I would be (laughs) willing to do that. Yeah, it's so interesting. Have you got a favourite, or maybe you can't limit it to one, have you got a favourite couple of things that you actually had the opportunity to report on? Yeah, one of the best things was when I was quite young, so I was still at uni and Bill and Hillary Clinton came to Canberra and it was a huge deal. I was a producer for CBS News, so I was essentially telling the US journalists and producers who's who in the zoo because they had no idea. Like they'd flown in the day before. They didn't know how the Australian political system worked or who even the Prime Minister was and what he looked like. So that was my job. Wow. Uh, so this is back in the days when mobile phones were kind of like bricks <laughs> And I had my mobile phone in my bag and I cannot even believe I was able to stand this close to Bill and Hillary Clinton with a bag on my shoulder, but I did. I was about 10 years away from them. My phone rang in my bag and there were sharpshooters up above. (gasps) There were Secret Service people all around and I reached into my bag and as one, they all turned and put their hands on their guns. No! I was like, oh, okay, I guess I won't be answering that phone right now. <laughs> but that was amazing. That's gold. Oh, I love it. So it wasn't actually reporting on them. It was your moment of nearly getting shot by Secret Service. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so what's taking you back up north? What are you doing up in Brisbane these days? So about 10 years ago, I was working on a show in Sydney for Channel 9 and it was an afternoon news show and there were just a few issues like the the host that we had working with us, one of our co-hosts decided to defect to a rival network and it was very scandalous. You know, the Channel 9 was making him work out his contract. So every day we were on air, it was super tense. So that show didn't last very long because there were lots of issues with it. And after I was um, kind of, I guess, made redundant from that show, I knew that I would be untouchable within Sydney media for at least six months, maybe a year. Uh, My then husband got a job opportunity up here in Brisbane and I thought, well, now's the time. Now's the time to move up north. I've got nothing to lose. And I had intended to take a break from media, but you know what? That worms its way into your heart and I was made a job offer up at Channel 7 and I wasn't able to resist. It. So here I am. And so what, um, what are your biggest differences? Because you're a newsreader. That's correct, isn't it, these days? Is, is there much difference? What are the key differences? I'll pop my teeth back in, in terms of what you're doing now to what you used to do from a, a journalism point of view, or is it the same? Look, I do both. So I'm a news presenter. I present the weekend six o'clock news, so Saturday and Sunday, and then I still report a couple of days a week, which is perfect for me because I still get to be on the ground interviewing people, putting together my own stories. 
And I get to sit in the studio and because it's a completely different skill set, you know, reading the news, reading off an auto cue and trying in a, an incredibly artificial environment. I mean, our, our cameras aren't even operated by humans anymore. They're robots. Really? Yeah, we have one person in the studio who rolls the auto cue. But other than that, uh, my director and producer are speaking to me remotely through my earpiece. You've got the bright lights on you. Other than that, it's completely dark. And you are speaking to people almost as though you're having a one-on-one conversation with them in their lounge room. So it's a completely different skill set that you bring to that as opposed to the storytelling and connecting with people, as I said, often on their worst day or sometimes on their best. But you have to have a lot of... um, a lot of humanity and uh, respect for people when you're out in the field doing that. Absolutely. Well, you sound like you're flat out in that job. I want to talk more about some of the other things you do as well, because you have a podcast of your own called Claim Your Confidence. What inspired that? And tell me more about that whole movement, really, that you're, you've created. So in a nutshell, what inspired that was I wanted to tell more uplifting stories that moved the needle forward. So news, commercial news is often, you know, what what has happened that day. There are some inspiring stories, but we often don't get the time to go into those in a great deal of depth. But often, sadly, they're things like, you know, youth crime or house fires or politics or um, many other things, which I guess most people don't find that uplifting. So after many years, I just needed an outlet to tell the kinds of stories that I want wanted to tell. But it was also triggered by four years ago when I was going through a divorce, I had a panic attack live on air when I was reading the news. And that rocked my confidence in the biggest way. And I then started getting triggered by, you know, driving my car into the car park at work, going into hair and makeup, um, being under bright lights. It would make me feel as though I was having another panic attack. And I had to work super hard to get over uh, the the dread of that feeling. I still get the nerves, but I've now learned how to cope with those. And so the conversations that I was having with my friends, many of whom are in the industry and do work in those high-profile roles, were so illuminating because it turned out that many of those people who I'd never even dreamed would have confidence issues also struggled with anxiety and stage fright and panic attacks. So my podcast is a way of kind of showing everyone that we're all the same, no matter what our role is. No one has a shiny life. No one has it all together. We just have different ways of dealing with it. What were some of the keys for you to figuring out how to deal with it? And how long did it take you before you felt comfortable? You mentioned you're still getting nerves, but before you were confident that that wasn't going to happen again. Yeah, so I did have one other panic attack uh, when I went on stage in front of, it wasn't even that many people, but I had massive imposter syndrome because I was talking at this very fancy event. Uh, It was, I mean, members of the Chinese government were there and, uh, you know, the who's who of Brisbane were there. And I just felt, I was also getting paid quite a bit of money to do this. And I just had this voice in my head like, 
why are you here? What are you doing here? You know, um, which now I wouldn't have that. But back then, this was probably only a few months after the panic attack. And so when I was on stage, I had another one. And that was my call to arms of like, Katrina, you can never, ever put yourself in a situation where you're going to feel this feeling again and let it control you in the way that it has. So you're going to have to get down and dirty and figure this out. So one of the big things for me has been meditation, absolute game changer. It's a non-negotiable for me now. Uh, what that has enabled for me is the space between having the thought and reacting to the thought and telling myself a story and getting carried away with that story about that thought. So I'm now able to, when I get those feelings of panic or anxiety or not enough, that imposter syndrome, I'm able to take a step back and go, okay, this is why I'm feeling that way, but I don't have to let that run the show. Mm. And is imposter syndrome something you feel like you've got rid of these days or does it still rear its head on the odd occasion? It still rears its head, especially any time I'm about to do something new. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anytime, you know, because you sort of think, oh, why me? Or who's going to listen to me? Or, you know, um, but you, then you just have to give yourself a bit of a pep talk and go, no, you've um, spent several decades in the industry doing what you're doing and you are here for a reason and people want to listen to you. So, you know, just put that to the side. It's extraordinary, though, the number of people, like I've spoken to people who have been high-ranking members of the SAS who get imposter syndrome in in battle, Uh, you know, CEOs of companies who I now have the privilege of being able to coach, they get imposter syndrome. So it strikes all of us at one time or another. Mm, And it it really comes down to then the action steps we take or the choice we make in that moment of whether we end up stuck in it or whether we take the steps to actually get on and and do the things that we're there to do right I want to talk a bit more about meditation because it's something that I talk a lot about on Aligned You now and in my previous podcast Be the Queen of the Stress I would openly talk about well it must be about five years ago now I couldn't even say the word meditation I understood that it was important from a sympathetic uh, nervous system point of view and from a point of view of actually helping our body adapt to stress but I had such an emotional trigger to the word I actually couldn't even say the word let alone do it so that it's a true story which is quite ironic now given what I talk about and what I teach about um, so much these days but when you first started meditating did you find it easy did it was it something that you naturally just gravitated towards or did you find it a bit of a struggle at first Oh my gosh, it's been a huge struggle. Uh, So I started out with the Headspace app because I had that on my phone and I was kind of in a similar way. I had a bit of an allergic reaction to anything woo-woo, anything, you know, spiritual. Uh, And I thought that meditation until I actually researched the science of meditation and was able to rationalize it that way, I thought that it was in that woo-woo, you know, wearing cheesecloth category. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't until I I did a deep dive into the science of it that I was able to go, okay, so this actually changes the biochemistry in your brain. You can actually grow more folds in your brain through meditating. And it's, you know, as you mentioned, it it, um, activates your parasympathetic nervous system. So they were all things that I could live with. But even then, I stayed quiet about it for years. It's only been recently that I started talking. So you've just come out. How cute. (laughs) But I did as a meditator. 
initially the Headspace app and then I went down and learned with a fabulous teacher whose name is Gary Goro and he um, taught me Vedic meditation and that was that was kind of when it went to the next level but I still find it difficult you know I still have a monkey mind but that's kind of the point you're not meant to get rid of that chatter you're just meant to again be able to see it in a new way and not let it run the show. I love it. And in terms of then the work that you do with your clients or helping people understand how to claim their confidence back, I'd love to hear more about that. What do you find some of the, other than imposter syndrome, what do you find the common themes are with people that are struggling with it? So this has been honestly the biggest gift of that panic attack because I pretty much immersed myself in every possible modality in order to try and move through this experience. And then one of those was uh, exposure therapy, just getting up on stage. I'm lucky enough that I get offered a lot of speaking gigs and MC gigs. So I just said yes to everything. And I would have women come up to me afterwards and say, how do you do that? You seem so confident. (laughs) And I just laugh and I tell them my story. And that led to me doing one-on-one coaching, which is one of the biggest joys of my life. So the biggest thing I would say other than imposter syndrome is that women feel as though their stories are not worthy, uh, that they don't have interesting stories to tell. And then when we sit down and we actually unpick what their why is, uh, the story of their brand or their business or what they're trying to achieve and some of the differences that they've been able to make in their clients' lives, it's just a gold mine that they've been sitting on that they just haven't being able to see the value in. So, yeah, I think everyone has got an amazing story to tell. I, and I love that because it's it went particularly when we're in the speaker's circuit and you're doing keynotes or you're facilitating and, you you know, some of the, the very well-known keynote speakers, they have, like, they have stories you can't compete with, you know. They've lost what? a limb or if- they've, they've done something quite drastic. Yeah, but, you know, like... I don't think you need to have had that extreme um, life experience in order to be able to impart wisdom that resonates with people. And so another thing that I'm sure you've noticed after having been to a ton of those events is that those speakers tend to recycle their stories. So they usually Mm -hmm. have three go-to super polished stories that have all of those beautiful emotional nuances and hit points and they just tell them over and over again and no one ever gets tired of them uh usually they have different audiences at those events anyway so that's what I work on with my clients is getting those three stories absolutely nailed and then if they have to do a podcast or an impromptu panel or whatever they've always got something that they've got prepared and ready to go that's that's really cool. I'd love to hear about this social life as well because you're working with teenagers too, aren't you? Yeah, so I've had to rest that. Uh, uh-huh. But had a fabulous program that I was doing uh, where I had, you know, Ariane Titmus, who's, uh, I think she's part of the, hopefully if the Olympics go ahead, she's part of the Olympic swimming team and Jeff Horn, who's a boxer. Uh, they were part of that with me and we were trying to empower teenagers with the constructive use of social media. So kind of like a personal branding, what do you want to stand for? This is a tool where you get to put your best Put forward rather than all of that fear, which is absolutely justified. You know, you need to be super safety conscious in that sphere, but it's also an opportunity to put yourself out into the world and stand for something. 
hundred percent. And it's so interesting. And it brings us back to what we were originally talking about when we we're talking about politics and politicians and their lives. Imagine down the track, like 10, 15 years down the track with the next um, round of politicians coming through and the perhaps dread of what they've put on social media as teenagers. I know. I just think, thank God, there was no Instagram or Snapchat when I was a teenager because it would have been a disaster. One hundred percent. Well, I'm, I'm, I remember very vividly conversations with my with my ex's children about because in their formative years of understanding that they actually don't own the imagery that's on there, that people will look at it. I know as an employer, um, I used to look at all my employees' uh, social media before they got anywhere to the point of being employees because it's it gives people an insight as to what you think is appropriate to put out to the world, right? Yeah, yeah. And and because I know what I know and because I work in the media and we often, you know, that's our first go-to source on anyone and we've dug up, you know. Um, <laughs> They've made it quite easy for you, right? Oh, my gosh. The things people put on there. I now am probably too guarded with my social media and that's been my goal for 2021 is just to show up a bit more authentically on that platform because I do get a bit of anxiety because I know what other people, you know, media outlets can do with that information. How do, how easy do you, I know you said you've ch- been challenged by it. Is there pushback that you get from work or from other people, depending on what you put onto your social media? No, because I think I am so conservative with it. However, uh, uh, even though I said that that panic attack was four years ago, I kept that a huge secret until the beginning of uh, 2021 when I did an interview with the Courier Mail newspaper, which is our main newspaper in Queensland. Uh, And it was a really like I lost sleep over that, over going public Mm. with it because I wondered what my employers would think because often news readers are seen to be quite vanilla. You know, we don't often express opinions. We don't give a lot of ourselves away. And there's a reason for that because we don't want to become the story. You know, we needed to be, we need to be that trusted authority. So I had a lot of anxiety over, uh, which is ironic really, given I'm talking about panic attacks, a lot of anxiety over how that would be perceived. Um, But yeah, I haven't had any pushback and I've had a lot of people privately congratulate me and then tell me their own stories, which has been really lovely. I think one of the beautiful pieces of that is when the lesson in it perhaps is that when we build something up to be so much bigger or worse than what it actually is going to be and then the beauty of the vulnerability piece of when you've shared it but obviously you're extremely good at what you do is the amount of people that it can actually help by you being bold and brave and vulnerable in that space is is really phenomenal. Well, and the other thing is that, you know, on my socials and the way that I show up on camera, like I have an hour and a half of hair and makeup. I have a wardrobe stylist who dresses me. I have amazing lights that probably make me look 10 years younger than I am. So that is how I am showing up. And I don't want people to think that they are less than or they are not enough because they can't compete with that air quote, perfect image. So that was another reason why I wanted to be really honest about my personal struggles and that it's not all this shiny, you know, perfect looking life. Yeah, that's cool. I like that a lot. I want to talk more about what a perfect day looks like for you, Katrina. Now that you've done this work on yourself and you're coaching other people about their confidence, 
part of the premise of the Aligned You Aligned and Thriving series is to to nut out what are some of the common themes that people that are successful in their work life and play, what are you putting into those days? So what's a utopic day look like for you? Oh gosh, amazing. So I get up at five in the morning because I have two children and I find that if I don't carve out space for myself, then I'm a cranky person. So I get up, I... No one wants you to be cranky. I have a glass of water. I meditate. I usually... You're going to say wine then. I was like, wow, that's early. I I, uh, meditate, like I light a candle or some nice incense, meditate for 20 minutes. And then I've just started a practice. I'm I'm rubbish at journaling, but I've started a practice of visualizing uh, and really feeling into the energy of something that I want uh, in my life or how I want my day to unfold. If I'm doing something challenging, which I'm feeling a bit anxious about, I'll visualize the energy of that going super well. Then I make a cup of coffee and I sit and read a book for 20 minutes. And it's usually something, you know, that I want to learn about. And then I'm into my day. But a perfect day would involve me going to the beach for sure and having a swim. Nice. How far away from the beach are you in Brisbane? Oh, we've got a fake beach at South. I was going to say, do you go to the fake beach? (laughs) No, uh, but the Gold Coast is just an hour down the road. So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, where, which beach you? I'm, I'm like, I know my geography's not great. I mean, it wasn't what I, I did super well at school in, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's no beach in Brisbane. You know what? They do nippers at South Bank. <laughs> no. There's no waves, no rips, but they still do nippers. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I love that the two cities that you've that you've spent a lot of time in being Canberra and Brisbane, there is no beach there. But we we were talking off air and we realised we had the Illawarra in common, that we'd both lived down there. Um, there's definitely some cool proper beaches down there, so I'm glad yeah. you've experienced them at some point. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, I, 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 I got you off track. So you go to the beach. What else is in the utopic day other than me interrupting you? Um, having an amazing conversation about big ideas with someone. So this with nice. you today, loving it or awesome. um, some beautiful friends who, you know, and that was a big thing with the divorce that I had a really big shift with my friendship circles. I lost I lost a lot of friends, but mm. at the beginning that was devastating, but it's opened the way for some new people to come in who are kind of where I'm at in life right now. And we have really big conversations and we share a lot of things about books and other things that we've read. So it would definitely involve that and some beautiful food. I love eating out. So yeah, that would be a perfect day. Right. Well, next time I'm in Brisbane or you're in Sydney, we're going to have to definitely do that in person because I, I truly believe that we come into different people's orbits at the right time, right? And I and I very much resonate with when when you're separating from spouses is then the whole social network changes and it's it's scary at first. Well, I found it scary. I'll speak it for myself is I found it really scary of going, oh my God, are friends that used to be my mates, are they going to bring me back into the fold? Do I want to be back in their fold? Who are the new people coming in? And and I've, it was literally my birthday yesterday, folks, the day before we're, we're recording today. And I just, thank you very much. Um, the, the reflection of who I've spent time with, I, I have a festival for my birthday, Katrina. So it's it started on the 28th of January. It will be completed on the 5th of March. But part of the reason being is that I have lots of beautiful friends and I actually prefer to, um, to connect with them in smaller groups. I don't, I love speaking in front of big groups, but I don't love socializing in big groups. So I've created all these little moments where I can enjoy great food, enjoy great wine, enjoy fabulous conversation. 
And if we don't create the space for those fabulous conversations, you end up in the shitty old ones, right? Yeah, you do. I love that. And you have to be really intentional about who you spend your time with as well. But look, let's not sugarcoat it at the beginning. And I'm sure there's people listening who've also been through breakups and lost friendships. It can be really lonely and you do get a little bit like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why have they chosen the other person? And it's tough for a bit, but it does get better. Yes, and I 100% agree. And then for, I know my experience with the aligned you guys have listened to before is that I live on my own with my furball. So it's that moment of that loneliness sometimes and being mindful that you're giving the space for the right things to be able to come in versus distracting yourself with things that perhaps don't serve you. So that's a conversation for another time that I'm sure we perhaps will get to have. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I'm so pleased. So, okay, big conversations, great food, meditation, drive to the beach, anything else in the utopic day? I think that covers it, you know, like that's all I need. I also love going to see live theatre and I love going to the art gallery. So if there's either of those things in there too, that would be just the icing on the cake. And I just can't wait to travel again. But it's funny since we haven't been able to, it's very much made me appreciate how lucky we are living where we do and how beautiful our country is. So, yeah, it's funny. Last year I missed that a lot more than I do now. Yeah, I think we're, it's one of those things and, again, how we choose to show up and where we want our emotions to be elevated to is uh, I know and I gratitude daily for, for living in Sydney and living in New South Wales and the confidence that we can have moving forward of that we're, we're okay no matter what. Like, particularly compared to other places in the world where we're really bloody lucky and hopefully we can travel freely around Australia a little bit more easily over 2021. But if we can't, that's okay too because I'm sure we'll, we'll find the, the uh, gold lining out of that too. Before we finish off today, I want to know about your top five. I did pre-warn you about this, folks. Um, <laughs> I used to put people on the spot. I went, that's kind of not fair. <laughs> so what music is on high rotation for you at the moment? This one song that I have been absolutely belting in the last week, it's by Leon Bridges, whose voice is divine, and it's called Beyond, and it's just kind of like an old-fashioned, beautiful love song. Oh, I'm going to check it out. I'm not familiar with it. Are you reading one book or many books at the moment, Katrina? I'm only reading one, actually. I have just finished an amazing book, which I'm going to mention. It's called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Laurie Gottlieb, who is a therapist herself, and she finds herself in therapy. And it's about all the observations and insights that she's had as a therapist getting therapy because she knows all the tricks in the book. It's so interesting. And the one I'm reading at the moment is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, which is quite mind-bending. I bet it is. Um, What have you done over the last week to de-stress, decompress, make sure you're aligned? That's a bit different other than the stuff that we've already talked about. Yeah, so I am currently on a month off alcohol, which is... Oh, nice work. Oh, that's, yeah, because my big thing is I like to have a glass of wine when I cook. I find it so enjoyable and so trying to come up with something else that's distracting because I really have found, even though I just have the one glass, I, I really kind of look forward to it and crave it. And someone pointed out to me that's two and a half bottles of wine a week, which is not where I really want to be at. So, yeah. No, well, it depends on depends on how you're pouring that glass, I would argue. <laughs> Generous pour, a very generous <laughs> Clearly, that's not a standard pour right there if it's two and a half bottles. 
No. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> well, I identify because actually when we when we met online uh, on the roundtable that I mentioned that the brilliant Pauline Nguyen was running and I was giving P a hand that particular night because I'm not usually on those evenings. As I said, it was serendipitous that we met. Um, I was giving her a hand because Jess, Jessica, who usually helps, wasn't available that night because she was speaking somewhere else. And I was in the midst of 21 days alcohol-free. So what some people that I know that I knew that were on the call, they said, oh, you were drinking. I said, no, I wasn't. I had soda water in a wine glass. So one of the things that I do, which is a red hot tip, you may already be doing it, is that um, when I'm alcohol free, which I did my 22 days, actually, um, is I always have my either sparkling mineral water or soda water in one of my really good Riddell wine glasses That's because cool- it's because it still gives me that feeling of I'm still doing something special. And if I'm at a restaurant, I absolutely ask for a wine glass. Yeah. Um, because then it doesn't feel like I've got the shitty little glass while everybody else has the fancy pants ones. So I, yeah. I don't feel like I'm missing out. I'm definitely stealing that idea. Thank yeah, you. Go for it. You can use it and make it your own because I was actually speaking, I was speaking to Rebecca Vescler the other day. She's actually, this was the first interview of this this season that's gone live. So she's um, the founder of Soul Cups, which is a reusable cup brand. And I was talking about the fact that I love her cups because of the lip on it. It's a very pleasing experience to drink. Um, and that's part of why we like drinking wine is because of the glass that we've actually got it out of as well. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. And you feel, you know, you feel a bit fancy swanning about in the kitchen holding a nice glass. That's right. You don't, you don't want a mug. No one wants to be holding a mug while they're, while they're cooking. No. So, but absolutely, absolutely. So in terms of favourite quotes, I got us off track. What's your favourite quote? All right. I don't know who said this originally, but I really the like famous it. author or non. I love, call that. I love actors. Action. Like I, action is what motivates me. And this one is you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Oh, I like that. I think that is by the famous author Anon. Yes. That's, yeah, no, that's, it, it, it totally is. That's a, that's a great quote. And any final thoughts for our Line G listeners, Katrina? It's been such a pleasure to have you on. Oh, look, I've just enjoyed it so much. The The final thought I would say is that everyone has a story in them that's waiting to be told and uh, there are definitely tricks and tips to how you can be a more effective, confident speaker. I mean, our favourite speakers like Brene Brown, they didn't just wake up like that. Uh, so everyone has that nugget of gold inside them and if you're wanting to tell that with more poise and polish, then reach out and get some help because all of our favourite speakers certainly have had help along the way. Absolutely. And it comes back to who we're connected with and who we're surrounding ourselves with, From a, whether it's friends, family, mentors, coaches, teachers, is that there's always that choice of whether we evolve and improve or whether we just keep repeating the, the same old patterns. And that comes down to confidence just mm-hmm. as much as other aspects of our life as well. Katrina, it's been such an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I've absolutely loved our chat. Oh, I'm glad. I'm sure, folks, we could chat for hours. As you know, most people, it was quite funny the other day, just as a side note, is I was, um, I've got a new project that's about to get up and running, Katrina. You will hear about it probably very soon. Um, and I was speaking to a, a crew of people that are helping me with it and somebody who's just met me, I said oh, I was really quiet. I actually didn't say very much and one of my other friends that was online just started laughing hysterically because the new person believed that I didn't talk very much. Oh. So, and it was like, wow, okay, well, you're going to get to know that's quite different. <laughs> quite a different reality in real life. But anyway. Uh, Dude, we... Uh, 
wine in a nice glass over a lovely lunch. (laughs) Sounds like a great, great plan. Thanks again for being on. And that's it for this week, Aligned You listeners. Bye for now and I'll catch you next time. And that's it for today's episode, Aligned You listeners. Remember to hit the five-star ratings and share today's episode with your friends. And be sure to join our collective on Facebook and Instagram at Aligned You. Look forward to catching you next time. The information shared on Aligned You podcast is of general nature and for information purposes only. It is not specific medical or personal advice. You should seek assistance from your healthcare practitioner for your individual circumstances. Any information provided doesn't imply endorsement or third-party devices or products and cannot provide you with health and medical advice.